So we've all been practicing the, the meditation retreat since the 26th, and there are many questions still left over. And so tonight we won't have a formal Dhamma talk, but instead just answer the questions uh, that you've given. And this is the same as listening uh, to Dhamma as well. So we'll begin first from the questions left over from yesterday. Um, question is from, uh, if I pronounce it correctly, uh, Sayale Panyavadi uh, Mechi Petra from Germany. And the question is, Dear Tan Ajan Anan, I often encounter the following phenomena. My mind suddenly gets extremely still and very alert. Suddenly it feels like drops with high speed into a deep abyss. It's like jumping into a deep lake of dark but pleasant water. But as soon as the feet touch the ground of the lake, the body is drawn up quickly again. Once I'm up, I feel happy, soft at heart, refreshed, joyful, loving. This can happen several times during a sit. Tan Ajan, please explain what to do with it. With gratitude and metta, may you be well and happy. So this experience is a form of the mind having peace arise. It's like the mind is awake. Uh, we could say that it either has fallen into a state we call bawanga, or the mind has gathered together, and we may feel some experiences such as uh, falling from a high place, uh, feelings of inner bliss, uh, this sort of uh, freshness and fulfillment in the heart uh, and joy. Uh, these, this is forms of uh, samadhi arising. Uh, so uh, it is some peace that is arising and you're able to gain some experience into samadhi, uh, this concentration, uh, to a certain level. Um, if the, after the mind has uh, fully been in this state of peacefulness, then the mind will start to think and proliferate again. Uh, and then uh, you'll see that this peace itself is even uh, impermanent. And so we're trying to learn about our attachments uh, to self, what we hold as a self, that it really is not us, it not, is, isn't a self. And if we contemplate in this way and see according to this, then uh, another type of knowing will arise another time. Uh, and so this is what brings us from delusion to have wisdom to arise. And then this knowing leads to the mind becoming brightened, uh, radiant from that wisdom. Uh, so you can try to do some contemplation as well. Uh, another anonymous question. Namaste Tanajan. Good evening. 
During my practice of breathing meditation, I feel joyful, happy, and full of collectedness. After some time, I don't feel the breath as it becomes very smooth to a point where it disappears, but my mind also does not fall into sleep either. I found myself stuck on the meditation path. Am I practicing correctly? Kindly, Ajahn, advise further how I can progress in my practice. So in our meditation, we develop our sati, our mindfulness, with the in and out breath. The mind becomes then more peaceful. There's some joy arising, some brightness there. Our samadhi becomes more firm. This is uh, the mind becoming peaceful. Uh, And when we practice like this, uh, we're not trying to control the breath to be any longer than it is, any shorter than it is. We're just knowing it uh, naturally uh, according to how it comes in and out. And so we can develop our mindfulness, our sati, with the breath, along with the meditation word, bhutto, When the breath goes in, we're aware of the contact it makes at the nose, tip of the nose. And when the breath leaves, we're aware of the contact uh, at the upper lip. Uh, And we're not controlling the breath uh, to be any longer, shorter than it is. When we practice like this, butto, uh, the word disappears uh, without our intending for it to do so. And we're left with just the breath going in and out Uh, and the breath becomes more refined, and ultimately uh, we are not even aware of the breath uh, coming in and out, and the mind then is bright as a joy and bliss inside. Uh, uh, Our mindfulness is uh, very refined, and then we have mindfulness with just uh, the mind, and this we can say is samadhi to a certain level Uh, and so we practice like this often and this is like we have a place for our mind uh, to rest so whenever we're tired physically or maybe mentally tired a lot of thoughts and proliferations uh, we come back practice this and we can enter into uh, samadhi like this and then the time uh, when we leave this samadhi Uh, Then this is when we go uh, searching and developing wisdom. We're training the mind to contemplate and investigate, uh, to see that all things, whether it's the body or our thoughts, these mental objects, uh, they're all impermanent. Uh, So we can see the exterior material objects and that they're impermanent. The things that arise in the mind, they're also impermanent. And so we're teaching the mind like this, And this, uh, seeing clearly like this, is uh, wisdom that arises uh, to a certain level as well. And so when we practice this way, then one day we will see the Dhamma of the Lord Buddha in all its clarity. So next question from Rob Corbett in New Zealand. The question is, Dear Lung Paul, Happy birthday and thank you so much for offering this online retreat. Whilst meditating during this retreat, 
My awareness has left my body almost as though I can look down upon myself meditating. When this happens, I immediately feel very light and calm, as though my physical body is a burden. I would value your comments on this experience. Should I just sit with the experience? How do I deal with it? With much gratitude, Rob Tansudiko's father. Uh, so first, uh, Lumpur gives his thanks to you for your birthday wishes. Uh, for Lumpur's birthday on the 31st of March. So this experience you're having in your meditation, uh, it's a feeling of uh, peacefulness and calm that's arising. There's samadhi that's coming up and piti, uh, can call rapture, that's arising. Uh, when the mind is, uh, stays with one object, mind, mental object for uh, a certain amount of time or for a longer amount of time and it gathers its energy in so there's energy arising and this is when beauty uh, rapture which is of five forms uh, may arise so one is like uh, the hairs standing on end or having uh, goosebumps uh, or feeling of a coolness that's like a thrilling wave through the body or it's a feeling of maybe waves crashing uh, on the body, feeling of this thrilling rapture, uh, and the body may feel like it expands to be a lot larger, maybe even expands past uh, your roof, or even bigger than your house. Uh, or when you're meditating and you feel as if your hands disappear, your feet disappear, um, so from this we can see that when the mind isn't peaceful, then our feeling uh, is, resides in our body. Um, but when we practice and we gather our mindfulness and energies into one point, uh, then we begun, begin to see more clearly the mind, uh, sorry, the body uh, can disappear or feel very light. Uh, the hands disappear, the feet feel like it disappears or even half our body feels like it's gone. Uh, and with this, the mind becomes uh, at ease. Uh, there's a feeling of uh, emptiness there. Uh, there's the body feels very light or maybe the body disappears altogether and it feels like it doesn't have any weight. So this is the, the feeling that we usually have in the body uh, when this feeling disappears, then it, we may feel well, awareness is just with the mind uh, and we can even feel like we're floating up into the air. Um, so this is uh, a level of uh, samadhi that's arising uh, and this uh, can arise for everyone. Um, we develop our mindfulness and uh, gather that together and this is, uh, this peacefulness is like our samadhi that's able to uh, keep uh, the gilesas, the mental defilements under control. So we have mindfulness to know the, the mind when it's peaceful. And we already know what the mind when it isn't peaceful is like uh, and the, the suffering that comes up with that. So when this peacefulness does arise, we just know it. Uh, we don't have any... Uh, desire or liking 
uh, for those states. We just uh, simply are aware of them. So we train to be more experienced in developing this and bringing this up. Uh, and then after we have entered this samadhi for a certain amount of time uh, and, it, and we leave, the mind leaves this samadhi, then it will have strength. Um, it's kind of like when we sleep at night, if we've slept uh, very well, we've rested well, uh, completely, then when we wake up, the body has a lot of strength. It can do work fully uh, all day. So this is like we, samadhi is like we're resting the mind and then we uh, come to use it for contemplation and investigation. So we can contemplate into uh, the four elements or the body as being the four elements, uh, the asupa, the unattractive uh, loathsomeness of the body, seeing it as maybe elements and then decaying into emptiness. Uh, so when we practice like this, uh, we can start to see the non-self uh, of these things that we hold as a self. Um, even when we talk of birth or birthdays, uh, it's just uh, cells, two cells from the mother's, in the mother's womb, and it reproduces and expands, and then we go attaching and clinging to it, and we take everything uh, as a sense of self. Uh, so this... Uh, we call sankharas, these bodily formations, they're of the nature to change and ultimately they will decay. Uh, so having birth, then there must be death. Uh, when there's a birthday, then there's also a, a date of death as well. Uh, and so we can contemplate that uh, if it's an anniversary of our birth, but it's also an anniversary of our old age as well. And so it's not just death that happens at the end of our life when the breath is gone, but the, bodily, the body is constantly dying all the time. So we contemplate like this, and seeing clearly this is when the mind awakens one more time. Uh, there is the peace then now of the mind that comes from wisdom. Uh, and so how you're practicing like this is correct. Uh, and... Uh, Lumpur said he's, he's very proud of you uh, in your, your practice and your efforts, uh, that you're fully determined in the practice, and this is someone who is hard to find. Uh, uh, and he wanted to share a bit about you to everyone else, that you're a doctor from New Zealand. And when, and I think when Lumpur went last, uh, went to Bodhiwana, in Melbourne, Australia, that uh, you went there to practice just in a small little uh, hut, or not even a hut, uh, for a month in Bodhiwana. They're uh, putting effort into your meditation, uh, and you're already 60 years old, or more than 60, and you're a doctor there, and you have only two sons, uh, and one of your sons ordained in the Mahayana tradition and the other son ordained in the uh, Theravada tradition, who is Ajahn Stewart here. Uh, and so this is something that it isn't just brought about by chance, uh, you know, to have uh, these two sons who went to go ordain. 
and it shows that you have a lot of merit and a lot of spiritual development. Uh, so this is hard to find, having two sons and two uh, monks ordaining from that. And so from your question, it's uh, clear that your meditation is gaining results and Lompoz is very happy to hear that and gives his blessings. May you see and know the Dhamma. Uh, so this question is from, if I pronounce correct, uh, Abhilash from India. Question is Wantami uh, Banteji regarding the fourth precept, Musawada. How do we protect this precept? Because we indulge in loose talk in society, and through my innocent nature, people will force me to give my word to perform certain tasks. How do we cleverly handle this situation through speech? Uh, and a second question uh, from the same asker. Sometimes in meditation, bright light appears in the eye door and the light is coming near to me. At that moment, what should we do? Is uh, up to our jetana, our intentions. Jetana bikawe silang but dami. Jetana the intention is uh, the sealer. Okay. Uh, so we can see that there's many uh, things in our daily life, like we are driving a car and maybe unaccidentally uh, hits a dog or a cat or chicken, uh, or maybe we light a lamp or a, f a fire and insects die from that, uh, then is this breaking sila? Uh, because we don't have the jetana, the intention to, to kill. Uh, when driving a car, there's many uh, insects dying, even tens of thousands of insects dying from uh, a, a journey. And so if we thought then it's better for us not to drive because then no insects would die at all. Thinking like this then is beyond uh, what we should be thinking. Otherwise, we won't be, we couldn't do anything at all. And so this sila, our precepts, is up to uh, the, our intentions, our jetana. Now we can't just stop them or the insects from flying and uh, harming them. Uh, and so in regards to the fourth precept, um, we just have to be determined in keeping it. And so we make that uh, vow to keep the precept, um, to not lie. And so we can see that if we speak a lot, uh, then m there's more of a chance that wrongness and breaking the precept arises. And it's not just uh, telling, having false speech or lying, but it's also uh, gossip uh, uh, or idle speech. Um, divisive speech, uh, harsh uh, speech uh, as well. And so, uh, and also using our speech to make others maybe feel uh, suffering. 
So we need to, to have mindfulness um, when we're speaking. Uh, try to think about what we're saying uh, and use our uh, contemplation, uh, see where, or reflect on it, whether it's uh, correct or not. If we, we, we also try to speak uh, a lot slower, a bit slower than we usually speak so that we can bring up more mindfulness um, and maybe we close our mouth more so then we can bring up more mindfulness. We should also uh, have determination to not uh, cheat others through our speech. Um, that doesn't mean that others won't try to come and cheat us. As we can see in this present day, there's many uh, people trying to cheat us. They, they establish call centers to try to, um, to cheat us or cheat other people. And so we have to develop a mind that has firm samadhi. If the mind has firm samadhi, then if you speak a little bit of uh, wrongness, then you won't hold on to that uh, because of that samadhi. And so try to make your mind have more uh, samadhi and also have more wisdom uh, to see more clearly into the drawbacks of not having uh, sila to break, uh, breaking the precepts in terms of situations where people in society may try to force you to do something uh, you have to clearly say it that you're not going to, to do that what they're saying and even though we think that the situation forces us uh, we have to keep the uh, view or the feeling that this sila is much more valuable than all other things. Uh, and so then we'll be able to keep that sila. Um, a story of a monk who was practicing in the forest, a Kamatana monk. And at that time, there was many communists in uh, the area where he was practicing, the northeast of Thailand. And uh, a communist even came to go and try to instruct uh, the monk on communism give him the information uh, about communism. And he just asked the, this communist that, do you give meals as well? And he said, uh, we give a meal a day. And he said, okay, I'll go with you. And so he went there, I guess, uh, to follow that communist and later on came back to the same place where he was practicing in the forest. Um, but because this monk had a lot of metta, kindness, uh, the communist uh, would come to that, his area or the monastery and, um, and then go away for some time and come back and then go away. And uh, at times the police would come and ask, uh, did, any, did, this, did any communist come around here or did that person come around here? And uh, that monk would point to one direction and say, he went over there, um, and then it was not in that direction, and so he couldn't, uh, the police couldn't find this communist. And then again, this would happen, and he'd point in another direction. And so this uh, monk could, uh, he wouldn't be lying, but he could use maybe a skillful means in order to... Uh, to keep his sila as well as not harming others as well. So, and, and the second question of the bright 
light. Uh, this is something that's normal uh, when the mind has already gained peacefulness. Um, there may be uh, light there or even a bright circle uh, or orb, uh, and it may even uh, move uh, about here and there. And so just bring back your mindfulness to where you originally uh, developed it, where you originally had it. Uh, and so you may have these experiences where you're closing your eyes and you see a lot of brightness or green uh, light or blue light there. Just be aware of this and don't uh, follow the, the lights. If you do follow uh, the lights, then your samadhi will deteriorate and the light will be gone. Question is, dear Lung Anan, thank you for your kindness in guiding us patiently. My question is, when I practice meditation, I watch my in-breath bud and out-breath toe, and after I am peaceful, I have a tendency to think of the Sangha as it lifts me to a concentrated, happy feeling, like a concentrated state of whiteness. This leads me into a state of losing my breath as I become very peaceful, at times seeing nimitta, after which I then mindfully focus on the breath, but out breath toe, but my practice seems to stop here without further development. Can Ajahnan kindly guide me if I am practicing correctly and how should I, how I should proceed? With gratitude always, and may you always be well and happy, and may all your wishes be fulfilled. So, from your question, you're, you are practicing properly. Uh, to have peace uh, at this level, it uh, shows that it, it, it is good, and uh, Lumpur gives his uh, thanks for your blessings for your uh, birthday wishes uh, and he encourages you to practice your meditation like this a lot, uh, develop it a lot and become uh, more skilled uh, in it. The question is also relating to one of the previous questions as well about asking if uh, there's more uh, the development of samadhi more than they had done and uh, there is uh, more the samadhi does get more uh, firm, uh, but you just have to do it uh, a lot, become more skilled at it, and until the samadhi becomes more firm, more established, uh, and then this is when the samadhi sort of develops on its own. But uh, your the level of samadhi you've developed uh, shows that you do have a good level of peace, and so practicing in this way watching the in and out breath with Bhutto, uh, and then having this brightness uh, is, uh, is correct. And so you can also then, uh, when the mind then starts to think and proliferate, uh, you can contemplate then into uh, anicca, dukkang, anatta, uh, just like, you, like Lumpur has explained in the, in the previous uh, question. And you do this until this uh, insight is clear in the mind. Uh, anonymous question. 
Namaste, Tanajan. Can Lung Po please tell the story of his first encounter with Kuan Yin and what significance Kuan Yin and other bodhisattvas have in his life? Thank you. Uh, so, Lung Po, just share one experience uh, to answer this question. So, he had heard. Uh, or we have heard that uh, the Bodhisattva Kuan Yin is one that's fully imbued with metta and compassion uh, and has the aspiration to become the last Buddha. Uh, there was once in Wat Mapchan a girl about 25 years old who was a niece of a monk. Uh, she had uh, kidney failure in both her kidneys uh, and she came to uh, die in the monastery in, in here. The doctors couldn't treat her anymore and so uh, she came there to, to die and maybe be able to be miraculously treated. Uh, and the monk... Uh, who invited Lung Po to come uh, to visit this uh, girl there. And when Lung Po came, he saw a, a shadow on the wall that was right on the girl's head in the shape of Guan Yin. And uh, he said it was the metta of Guan Yin that came uh, to treat this girl, and he knew that she wouldn't die from her sickness. Uh, and so this is the first experience that Lumpur had of uh, the Bodhisattva Kuan Yin. Uh, and uh, the Bodhisattvas, they have uh, a great barami that they've uh, developed and purity of mind and this metta and compassion to all sentient beings. Uh, and so this is the first experience that uh, Lumpur had. As for other bodhisattvas, uh, Lumpur has the faith in it because uh, all bodhisattvas, uh, or oh, sorry, all Buddhas uh, were bodhisattvas before in the past and they practiced to complete and uh, perfect all their parameters so that they could become a self-awake, uh, fully awakened Buddha. Uh, and so the Bodhisattva is one that makes great sacrifices that are incomparable. Uh, and uh, the Bodhisattva then is one imbued with uh, metta and compassion and who will be a Buddha in uh, the future. And so this girl was able to uh, live on uh, from the, uh, also from her merit and uh, Barami as well that came to, to help to treat her. And so she, she did end up later having a liver transplant and was able to, to keep living on. Uh, so that will be the last question for this session and we will close, do our closing homage uh, to the
to the Buddha, Dhamma Sangha, and after it, after a short break where the monks will do their confessions, they will uh, come back and do the Padimoka here, which will also be broadcasted. So if others want to, to see and join, then they may do so. Oh, and we will give the blessing then first. <laughs> 